It's interesting that when God created the first man, he looked at him and said, it's not good to do life alone. Even before that, when he created all the animals, he must have, must have put something in them that they actually wanted to be in small groups. If you head out to Africa, you'll see herds of elephants having their small group. <laughs> Zeal of zebras, pride of lions, and if you go not too far from here, you'll see herds of cows, flocks of birds. This morning, I was going over my notes, and I looked at the back uh, the lawn, and I saw there were there was another small group, and these were some cranes that were like hanging out, and I took a picture of them, and then they all ran. God has always loved relationships, and in fact, He had the first community, the Father, the Son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. He made it clear throughout the entire Bible how important it was for us to be relational, to be a part of community, because that's the place where we learn to grow relationally with God and other people. I'd like you to pull out your text here to Psalm 92. And we're going to start reading at verse number 12, Psalm 92, verse 12. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. We have to understand this text in view of the new covenant now that we are living under. Under the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And understand that we are to be rooted in our relationship with Jesus and we are to be planted in the house of the Lord. We're planted not with cars or motorcycles, but we are planted with other followers of Christ. The house of the Lord is made up of the people of God. Jesus referred to it as the ecclesia, as the church. And it is in that setting that the Bible says that we are to be planted and then says we are to flourish in the courts of our God. This alludes to the courts of the tabernacle or the temple where they would meet 
together. For us, under the new covenant, the courts of God are wherever we are meeting. This, today, is the court of God. It is the house of the Lord coming together, and we are meeting, and we are honoring each other, and also honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a place where there's life, there's love, there is a renewing, an empowering, a transforming, that our roots are growing deeper in Christ and our relationships are getting stronger because of our relationships together. So there is this process of the Lord working in and developing a community of people that are Christ-centered and where life is real and there is a dynamic of power that is happening. Often it begins with a guest that comes in, someone who does not know Christ, and many of those who come and drop by are new to the Christian faith. And so we find over the years thousands have come and there's this progression of we receive Christ. Then the next step is to be baptized in water and make an open declaration of our belonging to Christ. And then we use this term, attend church, we begin to meet together consistently because it's the place of community, it's the place where we honor the Lord, and it's the place that we learn more specifically how to live the life and become a better follower of Christ. This happens as we begin to uh, read the scriptures, the Bible that is inerrant, written by the Holy Spirit, and each time we get together, we're not centering on a person, we're centering on the person of Christ and what he has to say and what God's will is for all of us so that this is a growing place where life is real and that we find ourselves energized through our relationships of family. We live the blessed life. And the atmosphere is different than a bar. The atmosphere is that we are picking up the presence of the Lord and the love that he has given to us. I like what John says. He says, in 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. So that when a person is pulling up on our campus here and gets out and we're, we're all part here of the family, that what they sense more than anything else is that we are not religious, we are not judgmental, nor smug, but we are genuine, real, authentic, and that we are representatives of our Heavenly Father, 
and that Christ is living in our hearts, and now we find ourselves friendly because Christ is in us. All of us have been places, whether it's a restaurant or even a new church where you feel out of place, but this is a place where we feel the presence of the Lord and we sense there is the love of Christ present so that you come in and someone sitting by themselves, you are not hesitant to go over and say, hey, what's up? Hey, welcome. Can I sit with you? Now, if you're trying to meet some, anyway, but we are able to be friendly and be able to be genuine in who we are. No facade, vulnerable, real, people of God, planted in the house of the Lord. And this is the planning right here. We have been thinking through how is it that we can enlarge our community in smaller settings. Not too long ago, we altered Wednesday night a bit. We come together for worship and then different locations all over our campus. I'll mention just a couple. Uh, one being our women that are gathering together, women interacting, and they're good at communication and community. The women are really good at communication and community and love. Ladies, okay. Judy told me to say that and I thought you'd respond, all right? And then there's the uh, other session over here I've been going to on marriage and there are small groups and discussion and questions and it's a great moment. We have in the uh, mix at the end, uh, they have regular meetings where they're meeting in small groups. Our hope and dream is to have small groups in all of our ministries where we are having community, even yesterday, buddy break, and all that happened there, and Raphael and Casey, and, and taking care of some of the children that need special care and love, but that's community. They're meeting here and loving each other and caring for each other so that we are growing together, and God first is another step to meet people and to become related, and to be open and friendly. We do know there are some obstacles that we are all facing here in the Western world, it kind of the rugged individualism that we are uh, self-focused uh, often, and we're thinking about what we're dealing with and our family and our kids, and and not willing or not seeing the broader perspective of how valuable community is. That it's not really an option and that Jesus has established his community on earth and we are all to be a part of that community. It's interesting that a neuroscience researcher, John Cachapio, uh, of the University of Chicago has been studying this whole area of loneliness for the last 20 
years, realizing that we now have in our nation a disparity where we find ourselves isolated, and isolation always breeds loneliness. And in his research, he says that this loneliness is this feeling of being disconnected, a sense of not having true belonging. And we have all been created by God. We're, we're made this way that we, we want to belong. We don't want to be in, in isolation. And he says that uh, it's the absence of intimate relationships, friendships, family uh, gatherings, work group connections, and consequently, there's uh, lonely feelings. And it's possible to come like every week in a setting like this, and, and somehow, although there's a crowd and there's community here, somehow feel isolated and disconnected. And when we're disconnected, we will be lonely. And when we're lonely, we're isolated. And he makes the point out of this study that what happens when we are together, there's a strengthening in our whole being. That when we are together, Monday morning we have our team, we get together and we meet and we talk and we pray and we're together. And I always walk out of that meeting feeling strengthened because when we are together and we're doing things, whether you're having a club meeting or on a high school or college campus, when you meet together, you're actually doing what we were created to, to do. And that is to have a sense of belonging, a sense of purpose. And that doesn't just happen. We have to understand that we're made that way and that we have to step out and we have to be courageous and we have to be brave. And somehow we have to move beyond ourselves and move beyond our fears. And fear stops us and fear says, well, if you do that, you're going to get hurt. And we all know what it's like to be hurt in relationships. Find ourselves hurt in family. Find ourselves hurt where we're going to school in relationships. Hurt when we're in business or community or teaching or whatever you're in. However... What I have noticed for a long time is we have as much hurt in the community of Christ, in the church, as outside the church. And I find there is, can so easily be a skepticism that, no, I've been hurt, so I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch for the next 10 years and see what's going to happen. Let me ask you this. How many in the room here, at some time, you're hurt by a pastor in another church, hurt somewhere in community, Christian friends, would you raise your hand? Let me see your hand. And if you're not raising your hand, you've never been in the church, okay? <laughs> I want, let's try that one more time. I want you to be honest. I have both hands up. Put up your hand if you've been hurt. And I've been hurt... And I've had things said to me and people I poured in, they ran off and I can't find them. And, and I've been critiqued and all my messages and I've had things said and uh, I have to decide whether they, I'm going to allow them to push me back and give up 
Or am I really going to believe that I'm planted, that no matter what you say, no matter how criticism uh, hit me, whatever you're going to do, praise God, I love you. <laughs> and uh, hey, don't, think, don't think you are alone, friends. <laughs> Uh, but I'm not, I'm not going to let anybody slow me down from being relational and say, well, I've been hurt so much. I'm not, getting, I'm not getting close. And a lot of pastors are doing this, and they say, hi, and they have their guards that carry them to the back room. They don't want to know anybody, see anyone, but you know what I've decided? I don't care if I'm told off, kicked, or what, I, what happens to me. I'm, stu- I'm still going to love people. I'm still going to have a childlike attitude that you love me. And I told our kids, when you go into a room, when they were 8, 9, 10 years old, don't you have a complex like, well, who likes me? You go in there and say, everybody loves me in this room. Is that right, Jackie? And I told them that so many times. I actually believe when I get up, everybody in the room loves me. Is that really true? Probably not. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, when you're planted, when you're planted, you just stay. In the Christian culture, we change plantings every three years because someone in the nursery offended us and the usher poured the communion on our head or someone blocked us in the parking lot or almost ran over us, and we say, that's it. I'm done with that church. And then they go over here. They've been there for three years, and they go to the next church. And when they die, they have a resume of a 1,000 churches. (laughs) And if you ask them, and there are some crazy situations and crazy, anyway, But there ought to come a time before you die where you come into a church and you plant yourself. And you're not planning based on the location. You're not planning based on the the building. You're not planning based on a man. You're planted because God has planted you there and you're going to stay. You're going to stay. You're not going to drive. Nobody's going to drive me out. And if somebody is mean to me, I'm not going to be mean to them. I'm going to pray for them. In some cases, stay away from them. (laughs) Keep my Christianity. And I'm going to be in community. And we are getting out of the Christian culture. And we are believing that families raise their kids and they raise, they get married, and they raise their kids, and so that in a, in a body, in the house of the Lord, there is this long-term thinking that you are planted in the house of the Lord. And sometimes things are ecstatic, and sometimes they're just everyday Oh, my God, Jesus, help us. But whether it's up or down, I'm sticking with my wife. 
I'm sticking with my kids, and I'm sticking with my family right here because I'm planted in the house of the Lord. And it may be, well, it's interesting. I did a marriage uh, on Friday night in Kissimmee. I came back to see what, what these girls were doing because they were eating and eating. And I came in, and I've never seen girls so happy. And they were just, they almost couldn't talk to me because the cream was coming out of them. And, uh, and it was just incredible. It's incredible just hanging out. Not formal. Not, well, how are you? Praise God. God is good. No. What's up? What's happening? And women are better. Say that again. <laughs> women are better. Women are better, and they can help us. I went down to that wedding, as I mentioned. It's amazing that they met each other right here in this church, and your husband may be in your small group or your wife. I'm not saying that should be your motivation, <laughs> but it could be part of it. And what we need here says that we're planted in the house of the Lord. We flourish in the courts of our God. And it requires us to understand Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, where the writer says that we have to pursue one another and pursue love and also doing what is right and not give up meeting together. There are a lot of reasons why we give up meeting together. But he said, don't give up meeting together as the day approaches that Christ is coming back to the earth. What you need to do, he says, don't stop meeting together. But I want you to just to have an attitude that when you are together and you are meeting together, that there is this culture of encouragement. Most of us in this room are under-encouraged, overly critiqued, down on ourselves, and we need more encouragement. I want to encourage my family. I want to encourage my wife. I want to encourage my children. I want to encourage when I think what happens in Buddy Break and all those workers, and I was going through the pictures, and I think taking care of special needs. After the last service, I saw a special need child and I thought, what a ministry. We encourage, we say, how are you doing? We try to find something that someone is doing and to compliment them and encourage them because we need encouragement, we need support, and we need love. We have gas stations that support us. We have grocery stores that support us. We have hospitals in the area. We have 
all kinds of services that are offered all over this city, and those particular things are to support us. Most of them are physical points of support. But when we come together as the house of the Lord, we are here, and this is a spiritual movement of love. And what we are doing is, as that researcher, neuroscientist, surgeon, uh, uh, scientist said, that when we are together, what we're doing is we're finding strength in relationships. We're meeting in homes and houses and apartments and coffee shops, and we're opening our houses, and we're becoming a New Testament church. And as we are meeting together and we're encouraging each other, our support is spiritual in nature. It is getting to know the Lord in a greater way. It is about mentoring. It is about becoming strong in Christ. So now we can go out and not only love God and love people, but now we can go out and we can affect the world and we can bring Jesus to people like the man who was flying up in the Pugin Sound a few days ago, and his last words were, in essence, uh, please forgive me, I'm, I'm, I'm crazy, and he killed himself. And just in his 20s, and they're all around us, and they have no direction, and people are killing their families, and they need to have Jesus in their lives, and they will never have Jesus in their lives unless we now are getting stronger because if I am weak and you're weak and we're all upset and we're not a cohesive house of the Lord, then in our lifetime, we will marginally affect the world, but no one is on this earth for a marginal life. He has called us to a life of significance. And what he is saying here... In verse number 12, he says, you are going to flourish. You're going to flourish. The word is parak. You're going, to, you're going to flourish. Say that word. Flourish. Say it louder. Flourish. Parak. You're going to have, you're going to break forth. You're going to have increase. You're going to have blessings on your life. Is that generally? No. When he says you're going to be like a palm tree, he's not saying like one of these palm trees around here. He's talking about these palm trees that grow in the Middle East in the middle of the desert. They are strong. They are planted in sand, but their their roots go down into the subterranean for water. And then he says you're going to be like a cedar of Lebanon. A cedar of Lebanon is a tree that lives for 150 to 300 years. Snow, storms, weather, their roots go down, and they say they go around the rocks. Their roots go all around the rocks until they are a strong cedar. And what he is saying to us, you'll be a palm tree, a palm tree gives off dates, fruit. You'll be a person who is fruit-bearing. Your life will be fruitful. Everywhere you look around you, there's fruit. Fruit in your family. 
fruit in your relationships, fruit by your love, and then we flourish like the cedar. But you can't be a palm tree and a cedar without being planted in the house of the Lord. Planted, 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 so that no matter what is happening, we are breaking forth. We are blessed. We are prosperous. Together, we make it. By ourselves, we go down. But when you surround yourself, and I surround myself with people that are planted, and we have one vision, and that vision is to love every person, that vision to help everybody break forth. Our vision is to see everyone be mentored and become stronger. So now you're planted. Now you're in a community. You're in a home, wherever you are, Wednesday night and community night, and you have a situation, and you don't know how to handle it, but in your planning in the house of the Lord is someone who has a word for you that you know what to do, and rather than losing your marriage, they give you some good wisdom of how to help bring it along, and in uh, this array of this wisdom and advisors, wherever we're able to break forth and to flourish, hallelujah, flourish, prosper, increase, have the blessing of the Lord on our lives, have people praying for us, watching over us, taking care of us, so that when things are not good, and it's tough, somebody can come to you and say, now listen, Isaiah the prophet wrote many years ago, in Isaiah 43, he said, I've called you by name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, I'm with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, he says, it won't be a dead end. Because our great personal God is there. I'll tell you, there's safety when you have your planning in the house of the Lord, and God does things that you can't even imagine. It's amazing what can happen when one person has another person in their lives. Tom Lindemann is an example of that. I was reintroduced to his story just this week and I was so moved to it let me give you his words because Tom wrote this I was homeless I was helpless and I was addicted to drugs and alcohol for 30 years I left home when I was 15 years old because my father was abusing me and he said in this city he went to a rehab and in that rehab, there was community or a small group. And leading that small group was one man, a part of our family here, Ed Jordan. And Tom said, he looked at Ed Jordan. He said, I just felt 
the love of God in his life. And Ed started to love him. Ed started to mentor Tom Lindemann. He got some people to sponsor him to an encounter. He got him into the family here, got him planted right in this congregation. And now he met, I think he met his wife right here. Is that right? So he was planted here. And guess what? His wife was here. And he got married. And then you know what they started to do? They did what Ed was doing, and they started to be in community, and they had people. He's been clean for over 10 years. <laughs> 10 years. been a part of this family for all those years and has affected hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men because of one man. I think Ed is watching, is he? Ed, you watching on that television? Ed's going through some things right now. Just say, hey, give him a nice, he's watching on our... Tom, stand up. Is Tom here somewhere? Tom, where are you? Are you here? Yeah, Tom, right there. Stand up, Janet. He got in community with Janet. Hallelujah. And they're blessed, and he has a great business, and he's blessed. Tom, you're a model of what we're talking about this morning. However, there are probably some Toms here in this service may not be drugs or alcohol, but it could be rejection. It could be everybody you ever counted on let you down. And you really are like this. And probably you should be like that from your experience. But I want you to think that that whole thing can come down. And I'm believing that we are going to be a church of cedars of palm trees. No matter what happens, no matter what anybody says, we're planted. And we affect the whole world like you haven't ever anticipated. Let me know God is so good. Hallelujah. All the earth. All the earth. All the earth. In just a minute. And no one leave, no one leave. We're going to stand before we receive communion. We're going to sing this song. I want you just to sing it as loud as you can. Let the person next to you hear what a great singer you are. Come on, everyone, hit it. Come on, everyone, sing it.
just a moment as a congregation or as the house of the Lord, we're going to take a moment and take the bread and the cup to remember what Christ has done for us. That although he would attack and he would pull us down from who we are, we sang about it this morning, we are the children of God and we are free. We have those that are stationed in the balcony and all over. We take it individually and hold up that bread and that cup and say, thank you, Jesus. Your body was given. Your blood was shed for me. Every spiritual stronghold comes off my life, and I declare that what I sang about, that I am free, that I am released in the name of Jesus. I believe there will be a rash of miracles because he, he was wounded for our transgressions, and by his wounds we're healed. He is able to heal in a moment cancer. He is able to heal tuberculosis. He is able to heal in a moment I am believing for backs to be healed, for deafness, for blindness, for eye problems to be healed. There is nothing too big for our God. And in this church, we are believing that the best days are ahead and that we are healed in the name of Jesus. So as you take the cup and the bread, if you're a guest, want to watch, or you just want to stay where you are for a moment you can but just come and see we have here in the front we had coming up here in the front we have several wherever you are in the balcony there are people up there on the sides so we're just going to worship for a moment
We never, we never end our meeting without giving people the opportunity to be forgiven. We have a cross that reminds us that Christ is over our church. That on the cross, he gave his life that we all could be forgiven and healed and have a new life. Bible says on the third day he rose from the dead and he's alive. And he offers forgiveness to any person. No matter how many decisions we've made, the darkness of our life, he says, you come. And this can be your day to come. Just like Tom Lindemann came and said yes. After all those years, Guilt, condemnation can all be gone through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And if you want Jesus to help forgive, you have to, you have to be brave. You have to be brave because you can't understand it all. But you can know he's a savior and like a drowning person, you can put up your hand and somebody will bring a preserver and pull you in. Because the only person that can help is Jesus. He's the only one that can forgive sin. And the enemy holds you in his clutches, spiritually. And he says, you're not getting out. And it's a spiritual stronghold. And he's exactly right until you say, and Jesus says, I got you. So we're going to count to three here. And people all over this place that are far from God are going to be like the person drowning. And they're going to say, pray for me. I want to be forgiven. One, two, three. Put your hand up all over the building. Put it up. Put it up all over the building. Yes, yes. Put it up. And I asked every person that lifted your hand or you didn't lift your hand to walk the aisle and just stand here. Come right now, wherever you are. Come. Balcony, walk down, give your life to Christ. Keep singing it again, Jesus, I love you. Oh, 
Keep coming. So sweet at all these people come into Jesus. <laughs> Bless you. I don't know while that was happening. I just felt such the love of the Lord. He's drawing all of us to him. Some of you are watching online. Sometimes we get letters from people all over the world that coming to Christ. No one is beyond the reach of Christ. And you that have come, you open your heart, we'll pray this prayer. Pastor Dave will take you to the side for a moment, give you some more information and friends. But we're not focusing on how bad you've been, but how good Jesus is. So we're all going to say this prayer, and let's all join with them. And if you didn't come, I feel like there are a few people here today, you're really not committed to Christ. You want to be. There is such a love and the Holy Spirit moving here. The Lord is touching your heart. So let's pray this prayer out loud, everyone. Jesus, Jesus. I put my faith in you that you took my sin on the cross. I confess and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and he is alive. I turn from my sin. I abandon my life to follow Jesus. I repent of my sin. Jesus, come into my heart and give me your grace, the gift of righteousness and eternal life. You prayed that prayer from your heart. You're in the family. Go ahead with Pastor Dave.